Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, listeners. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. How are you today? It is a, I wouldn't say perfect day, but it's a beautiful day here in the Florida Keys. And uh, another one of the days I really enjoy not working. Today was one of those days that I couldn't, when I went to the gym, I went to the gym today with the wife after we dropped the daughter off at school, and I started working out, and I just thought it, thought while I was working out how much I didn't want to work out. I would like to just go back, grab a couple, uh, like a, a a yoga pad, a couple of those, and maybe start from roller, put some, and take a nap until my wife was done an hour and a half. And I just worked out, just pushing it, pushing and pushing until I made it to the end. And it, I felt, I felt weary. Really, I felt weary today. <laughs> but, but I made it. I made it. And then we went back. I'll talk about, uh, we went for a bike ride uh, to my old neighborhood. And it's interesting down here in the Keys, especially in places where you have a very limited um, building space. That houses that are less than 40 years old are being demolished in order to build newer houses or more expensive houses, multi-level housing and things like that. If you went to one of my... Um, I went home to Philadelphia and I remember the house I, I lived with my grandmother that was built almost 90 years ago. And it was probably, maybe it was built about 90 years ago. And it's still up and pretty much the exposed uh, stone and the glass block in the basement is probably the original. Um, probably the siding, it's a row home. So row homes you don't get as demolished as much because you'd have to demolish a whole row of them, wouldn't you? So... Uh, but there they are, 90-year-old uh, homes standing there. And you go downtown, you have plenty of uh, townhouses that are well over 100, 150, some 200 years old. But down here, that have, would have to be a, I guess it would have to be a historical landmark to be able to maintain that. Uh, in Key West, there's a lot of older construction the uh, Truman White House, where Harry Truman used to spend his when he was away from the White House, uh, that's there. And there's a couple other buildings that are older down there. But in the in the Keys and in South Florida, a lot of these older construction things. Well, a lot of it has to do with building the code and building to withstand the powerful hurricanes that have a tendency to strike these areas. <clears throat> And I'm not being, getting on the high horse about up north having being able to maintain their history. Around the corner from my house where I grew up, there was a major road. Uh, it was called uh, Frankfurt Avenue, and it was route, it's route 13. And at one time, it was called the King's Highway during the colonial times. And it was the, one of the main roads uh, on the eastern portion of the colonies. It was the main road. And at least went from Philadelphia up to New York. 
And along that, about, I guess that would have been 10 miles outside of, or 12 miles outside of Philadelphia, but right at the city line of Philadelphia, modern Philadelphia, on the outskirts of uh, when I was in high school, or right right when I went to high school, there was a, a building there called the Red Line Inn. Because the road was there was Red Line, and Red Line was probably uh, around, that road was 250 years old, or 230 years old, and along King's Highway. And it was one of the inns that would service travelers that would be traveling from and to Philadelphia. And it was a nice little restaurant. But since I was in high school and and junior high, I never got a chance to go in it. And eventually someone bought it. And then they turned it into a steak shop. They turned over uh, 220-year-old building into a steak shop. And then it burnt down mysteriously. And he had a little uh, housing development built there or apartment uh, complex. No more Red Line Inn. And that should have been designated. It, it should have been a historic landmark. And But in order, I guess you can't declare something a historic landmark. You either had to buy it and the people that maintain it are given special incentives in order to maintain it. And I guess an apartment complex would be, it wasn't even a big apartment complex and it was built right in an area that flooded. So it was just just a shitty location. I guess uh, it wasn't for that red line in as much, but further behind it, there was the apartment complex. It was lower ground and stuff like that. So I don't even think, I think they eventually tore down the apartment complex. So it's all for naught. Uh, but they could have kept that. And there's old restaurants. There's examples of old restaurants. There's one in uh, north of Philadelphia that was around since the colonial times, uh, pre-Revolutionary War, that was still in operation up until, gosh, I don't know. I haven't been there. I hope it's still in operation. I imagine it would be because it stayed open for 200 years. Why wouldn't it stay for another 20? Uh, The King George Inn. In Bristol, Pennsylvania. I hope it, I hope it's still there. I bet if I Google it, I can find out. But it's it's really sad when you see old buildings torn down. You know, people used to live there. And when you get the the last time I went to Philadelphia, I went and visited all the places I had lived in the city of Philadelphia. Actually, I didn't go to all the places because I didn't go to my dorm room uh, rooms and my fraternity house. I don't even know if my fraternity house is still there. I got to double check that. But that's interesting. Let's get back to the bar stuff. I am the Keys bartender, and I didn't get a chance to really talk about that. We started talking about um, old houses being torn up. But in the bar, if you really look around at the groups of people that come in, you notice their bar is very, especially. Um, a bar that has been around for a little while, not a necessarily, I'm sure they have these at these chain restaurants, but privately owned, family owned restaurants and bars, you get clicks of people. And Key Largo, no different than different neighborhoods in the United States and different places around the world. We get our own clicks too. We get uh, bar clicks. We got uh, just local people. 
right? And they break down to regular evening, regular lunch, regular happy hour. And then you have regular happy hour snowbird. You have new regulars and you have your regulars. Let me explain your regulars. They, they show up and they hang, they attach themselves to the group, though they're not there all the time, right? You got your regular local, you got your regular on a weekend. They have weekend homes and your regular snowbirds. I think I repeated all those, but they do break down. Now, these cliques do min, uh, mingle. But rarely, they're very tight. The local regular, they have their table. Uh, one of our tables is uh, Bob. You got this guy, Bob. He's like this Sphinx. He's there all the time. People come there and they sit at his table. It's a bar table. And you get like three or four people and they kind of gather around and they hang with Bob. And Bob's there when the place is open. Bob's there for happy hour, right? Right when happy hour stops. That's just where he goes to meet people and do, do things. And, it, and they just hang out. Now, in a couple months, you'll have Bob there with his group of friends. And you got regulars that come in there. You got Jimmy Hawkins. You got this guy named JP. You got a couple ladies that come in, then hang out. And then you got their associates that gather around them. Their irregulars, local irregulars come in. In about a month, this is early October, we're going to start getting the snowbirds. And the snowbirds especially love the happy hour snowbirds. They come in as a group too. And they mingle with the local regulars, but they don't sit among them. Every so often, you'll get a local come in with a snowbird. You never know. The local could have been doing some work for him or something like that. But it's normally the snowbirds hang out with themselves. and But adjacent, not with the local snowbird. Then you got the table people. You got the table people. We got one click called the ponytail crowd. Yeah, the ponytail crowd are a group of people, guys with ponytails, and they're in their 60s. And they come in with their wives. It's usually about four or five, up sometimes up to six couples. And they hang out. They hang out on Thursdays. They come out on Thursdays at the bar. And then we get, then they're year-round. They're table, we got year-round table regulars. And that's usually when you get like four or five or six. And there's local regulars that come in there. Now that, the table regulars can come in at any time. But more likely they come in late. After happy hour. After happy hour they come in. Around 6.30, 7 o'clock. And they stay to, to right before closing. And then you got your lunch crowd. Your lunch crowd comes in. There's normally, if you get a group of guys, sometimes from the same place of work, they come in. You get four guys that come in to grab a table and things like that. Mainly, it's two people. Lunch, lunch is two people showing up. Sometimes there's a third. And they'll sit at the bar. And they come in. 
you know, your regulars come in, they come in on when, you know, they come in on, their day is set. And their time is usually set when they come in too. Now, l- normally you get late night people. You, they're only late night. They don't show up at lunch. You don't see them coming at lunch. But lunch people, you might see come in late. Yep. It happens. And then you got even, you could drill down to the, the snowbirds. You got the geese. The geese are Canadians that come down. And the Canadians always come down by mid-fall. Because Canada starts getting cold at mid-fall. Mid-fall starting like next week to the beginning of November. And they stay to mid-spring. Some staying a little later. And then you got your fishing guides. That's not necessarily in this order, but your fishing guides. That sometimes these guys are, are moving around. They're, they're high-end migrant workers. Right? They fish down here. Sometimes they're trust fund uh, people or just servicing wealthy clientele. And they work anywhere from Alaska to in Canada, in the northern part of the United States, like Montana or the Great Lakes area or the Northwest or Alaska, like I said. And then they come down here and they do it. And they know their shit. That's what they do. That's all they do is they fish and they fish here and they fish there. Pretty nice life. Then you have your I-95 crowd. Your I-95 crowd. That's snowbirds. But they're snowbirds from the northeastern part of the United States. Starting from the lower part of New England. Because we don't get a lot of people from the upper part of New England. Usually you get like Connecticut. We get some Boston people come down. But you don't hear them as much. It's usually like Connecticut, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. Into Virginia. All along 95. They come down here. They're snowbirds. And there's vacationers. And you got your regular vacationers that come in. They're not necessarily snowbirds, but they come down here for two weeks out of the year. And they make themselves known when they're down here. They come to the same place. They sit at the same place. They talk to you. There are people that come down two weeks a year that I know better than people that live here year-round and never go anyplace. So all these cliques come in and you're trying to figure out, do they know each other and stuff like that? A lot of times they get along great. They just know, they know that they're in that group. You got a guy, group of people, like 10 people that come in. Uh, they're recent, the recently retired. The, re, the retiring, close to retiring and the recently retired. They sit together. There was a lot of uh, people that worked for uh, law enforcement. They would hang in. They would come in there and they'd be there for a good three hours having, you know, some food and drink. And they'd have upwards of 12 people together. And then you get your big groups, uh, the families coming down from Miami. 
they come in with their people and they always come in with like 10 people. Not unusual. Not unusual. Uh, some And they, they, they come in week in and week out. So this time of year, we see, I guess we're starting to see those snowbirds are going to start coming in. And we get different groups of people. We got our trivia night people that come in and they really kind of stake out their territory when they come in. People like to say, you know, I'm a regular here. This is my place. So we're always mindful of it. We like them to play well together. You know, you don't want one group knowing another. Like if some group is always sitting at the bar and they got their TV and they said, we want to have this TV on and we want to set to here. And these people say, well, this is our TV. It's going to be set to this. And we try to accommodate them as much as they want. They don't even realize. They probably don't realize they're in the clique. But that's what we see. And then we, we, we as workers of the restaurant, we just move among, among them. Trying to, you know, be inclusive. And then you got the new people that come in. The new people are the most fascinating people. That's to me. You had couples that come in. We had a lovely couple come in. Last week, they came in three nights when I was working in a row. From the weekend. Three, three nights for me, not contiguously three nights. It could have been like a Friday, Saturday, and a Wednesday. Or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think it was something like that. And they came in, and I got their story that they were moving in. The, the uh, husband, I don't know necessarily what the wife does, but they looked like a really nice couple, a good professional couple, uh, really sweet and polite. And all I wanted to do was, it would seem like they just moved the area and they wanted to meet people. So I always thought, when I came in, I'd like to be introduced to people. You can cho- choose who you want to hang out with. I mean, here's an option. This is here. You, you know, someone came in. They they do a lot of fundraising. They do a lot of social events. Maybe you'd be good at that. And then you hear this. The woman I was talking to likes to work out and things like that. And I said, well, I'll introduce her to someone that's physically active. You know, maybe plays a little tennis or pickleball or likes going to yoga studio. And... With this couple, I just started introducing the people that I thought would be um, most conducive to what I th- who I thought they were. Because I wouldn't necessarily introduce them to the regular happy hour crowd. Because these people, even though they came in towards the end of happy hour, they did not come in for happy hour. They just came in to eat. So I didn't introduce them to the happy hour crowd. Eventually, once they start coming in, I'll just say, these are, this is a happy hour crowd. This isn't necessarily your crowd. Because you're still working. I don't think you're going to be coming in at 3.30 and staying for three hours drinking during a happy hour. I think you come in and have one, two, maybe three drinks at most. Eat and, you know, talk to some people. I mean... You got to know your audience. And it's, I guess it's a little insulting. People say, well, you don't think these people are, you know, they're too good for us or anything like that. And I said, no, they're just not interested in the same thing you're interested in. 
I did have a person question that. He said, I noticed you introducing new people. So, well, they're looking for things to do. And I was looking for people that are active in the community doing things for that. Not necessarily. They're not looking for a place to just park and drink for a couple of hours. Now, no judgment on what you're doing, but you guys work all week. And you just want to unwind with your friends. That's not necessarily what they're doing. They're going to the gym and things like that. So that really wouldn't fit for you guys, would it? And I'd let them come to the conclusion. And usually that falls out. Say, listen, I'm just... And I guess that gets even more stickier when you run into people like um, the pretty young girl who's new to the area. I may introduce them to a nice gentleman or nice girls. Nice girls who will, you know, help them. I try. I try. You know, you got to be careful with that, though, because you don't know. I I said it once and I'll say it again. You don't know how a guy behaves when they're out of your purview, when, you, when they're alone. And sometimes it gets kind of nasty. I know from personal experience. I'm not talking about that today. I'm just saying some people just don't get, don't play well with other people. So you got to be careful with that, especially when it's... You know, someone's looking for a romantic. I don't like, I don't like making that connection for someone. They could do that on their own, unless I'm absolutely sure about them. They got really good history, you know, someone in the area. But it hasn't happened yet. When I was, I'm making this. Uh, you know what? Let's talk about our sponsor. I got to remember to say something about our sponsor before the show's over. Um, the Keys Bartender Podcast is sponsored by Key Largo Chocolates. Operated by the Peterson family, Key Largo Chocolate is a favorite destination for locals and vacationers with locations in Key Largo at mile marker 100 470 on Overseas Highway, and that'll be on the Bay Side, and in Isle Morada, which would be on 81933 Overseas Highway in Isle Morada. Now, with these locations, you'll find an assortment of handcrafted treats, such as 36 flavors of hand-batched ice cream, especially ice creams and sorbets. And they'll also have made-in-house truffles, fudge, cookies, um, things like key lime fudge, um, chocolate-covered co- uh, chocolate potato chips, so many things. They're renowned key lime pie and frozen key lime bars are exceptional. You should visit them in person if you're in town, but also you can go to their website and it's www.keylargochocolate.com and you can look at their wares and the services they offer because they also cater sweets and all the important stuff for parties. So you can check them out. And, uh, owned by Brana and Rich Peterson, friends of the show. And if you do go there, please tell them that the Keys bartender sent you. Yes, that would be me. I do have a sweet tooth. And I do. I love ice cream. You know, it's interesting. I was going to the gym today, and I uh, just when I use the facilities there, there's one of those old balance scales. You know, you find it at a doctor's office. And they're very precise. And at one point in the last six months, I was 216. 
Now I'm hitting above 226, 227, 228. But as I was measuring by my waist, my pants fit and my belt. So I'm doing a lot of, I guess I'm doing a lot of core training. So I'm not necessarily know where where the weight is going, but it is coming on. And you can feel it. You know, you just feel it as you get older. And speaking about get older, there's always like a metaphor for it for, for me. When I was 9 and 10 years old, I used to get collect pennies. I had this little penny book where you put the, the year of the penny and you put it right in the slot and you collect those. And you can get like the steel penny from World War II when they were trying to save copper and brass for munitions. And I think they did it during World War I. But whenever I came across a penny from the 20s or 30s, it was exciting. If I found one that was like World War I or before, I would freak the fuck out. You know, 1913, 1914. 1914 was technically the beginning of World War I, but uh, Americans' entrance in it was, I think, 1917, 1916. And um, today, I'm looking at a coin, I'm pulling an old coin, a penny, and whoever looks at a penny anymore. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of, there has been a movement to do away with the penny and just have a nickel. Uh, but there, I guess there's some impetus for not, uh, you know, continuing mint, minting the penny, even though it's worth just a fraction of what it was used to. Used to be able to buy something with a penny. Now you really can't. I mean, I guess technically there are things out there you can buy for a penny. Right? I bet there are things you can buy for a penny, but. There used to be, used to get quantifiable things for a penny. There was penny candy, penny penny arcades, and all these things. Uh, but I found this penny, and it was old. I started cleaning it. And uh, I'm looking for the year on it. And then, don't you know, I found it, and it's a year after I was born. This ancient coin was a year younger than me. And, you know, it is very interesting. You really don't need much to make you feel old. Finding an old coin or something, you say, wow, that's really old. And then realize that that thing was created after you were born. So that kind of puts it in perspective. And that kind of mounts on like the other day where I woke up and both my shoulders were sore and my 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 joints and I'm going... Holy shit, what is going on? I took a little I took a little uh pain reliever and it disappeared. Didn't come back. But every so often I see yeah, every people talk about arthritis and you know I guess infirmities of the age when you get when you get older. And you really it's it's just a it creeps up on you sometimes. I guess it creeps up on you. And I still don't I still don't necessarily feel it. I don't feel it now. I didn't take any pain thing. I went and worked out, I lifted. I like I said earlier, I didn't feel like working out today. I felt tired. I take a couple supplements. I really and I, I was doing something. I was doing something and maybe unwise the reason may could explain that. I was eating this yogurt that has this 
protein in it. It's 25 grams of protein. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's what I'm putting on the weight. And people say, and you know, people do all sorts of mental gymnastics to explain weight gain. They go, oh, it's muscle gain. Well, you know what? When you're getting up there, there's not a big increase in muscle. It's really hard to put on muscle. So I was just trying to do, I was trying to combat muscle loss and just maintain. And then I read an article about a month ago that says, you know, you have to re-evaluate your, you know, the way we age. And some people say, used to be, and this is how, I guess they call it geriatric uh, training or, or something like that. Geriatric theory was you're fighting against loss where you should actually be thinking about gain. Should think about gain. And I'm not talking about weight gain. I'm talking about strength gain, uh, reducing your time when you're running and things like that as you get older. I know it's really hard to do, but I mean, it depends on where you're starting out. You're, if you're like a world-class athlete, you're at the top of your game, a Olympian. It'd be very hard for you to improve your time. You know, what's his, uh, the, the sprinter, Michael Johnson? Is it Michael Johnson? Or uh, the guy from Jamaica? I don't think you're going to come see him coming out of retirement and improving his time. It's really hard to do, but he can improve his tennis game. If he plays tennis and things like that, I, I mean that that would be almost an impossibility because of wear and tear and things like that. But I always think about that. Uh, two years ago, I had a problem with my cardio capacity, my breathing, and I've been working hard to increase that. There's ways of doing that through breath training. To do, I know there's not going to be a lot of gain from now. I'm not suggesting that I'm going to gain all the way to 100, but I can gain, I could gain abilities until I'm probably mid-60s if I'm careful, watch out my joints. The joints are the things that are probably going to hold me back next. But that that when I went uh, on the bike ride, after the the bike ride, I found the, the coin, and then I thought about the age thing. Also thought about houses. Maybe the houses made me think, when do you get rid of a house? When is a house more valuable as a historical asset or a replica of a past time? You know, these old Tudor homes up in New England. Tudor, not, I'm not talking about Tudor England. There was Tudor, there were Tudor style homes in uh, the United States. There's also antebellum style homes. That's pre-Civil War with the big, Greek Revival columns out front. And now we have the new one. Uh, the architecture in the United States is like all over the place. You know, I have one particular one, not like we had maybe like 50, 60 years ago. The only one that was doing things really far out there was a certain architect called Frank Lloyd Wright. And he, he, he designed houses in the 20s and the 30s that were to this day, if you've had a new construction of one uh, one of their houses to this day, you'd see a modern home. 
So all these things about old houses, new houses, new builds, what's more valuable, vehicles, use new things. All It all makes brings it back to me about aging. No, what are what are we able to do? Some of the things we lose sometimes we lose our capacity for we lose our strength, we lose our muscles, we lose our um, maybe energy. But as per that article, we actually can work to mitigate those things, increase them if you have no energy or if you have no strength, you can increase strength in different parts of your body. There's nothing there's nothing to stop you from gaining abilities as you get older as long as they're not isn't a neurological you know a neurological uh, decrease you shouldn't have any problem with that I don't know how I got there from the beginning with the regulars but I do appreciate that you stayed with me on this podcast on this roller coaster ride I wouldn't call it a roller coaster ride. It wasn't as exciting as a roller coaster. But we could do that. I can make it. I'll make a metaphor uh, for a roller coaster. I'd like to thank you for listening today. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Key Largo Chocolates. Once again, Key Largo Chocolates. You can find them uh, on the internet at www.keylargochocolates.com. Thank you very much. And as soon as I find my mouse... I'll start the music and we'll say, okay, I say adios, goodbye, farewell. And here we go. Take me a moment.